Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. On Island Radio, KISL Avalon at 88.7 on your FM dial and at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we'll write a wrong, we'll share some secrets, have a vocabulary lesson, visit some swamps, and consider some things that are too long. Sharp-eared longtime listener Bill sent an email the other day to question my statement on last week's show that Fats Waller's birthplace was Waverly, New York. Waverly, New York is a small town on the Pennsylvania border, 15 miles east of Elmira. Elmira! Yes, Elmira, and about 200 miles from New York City. But Bill was absolutely right. Fats wasn't born in Waverly, but according to a 2004 article in the New York Daily News, in an apartment on Waverly. Waverly Place, that is, a street in the Greenwich Village neighborhood of Manhattan in New York City. The Waller family is shown in the 1900 census, a few years before Fats' birth in 1904, as living on West 10th Street in Manhattan, with Fats' father, Edward Martin Waller's occupation listed as truck driver. In the 1910 census, the family is living on West 134th Street in Manhattan, with Edward still shown as a truck driver. I don't know the exact chronology, but around this time, Edward Waller was an assistant pastor or deacon at Abyssinian Baptist Church, which was located on, that's right, Waverly Place, which probably accounts for the reference to Waverly. Now, I thought I had made a mistake once, but I was wrong, and so with that in mind, we're going to start off the show with a set of rapidly rotating records about being wrong, beginning with Isham Jones and Somebody's Wrong... Yeah. 
Gene Rodemick's orchestra in September of 1921 and Right or Wrong, written by Arthur Sizemore and Paul Bees. That was preceded by Anson Weeks and his orchestra with Don Raymond asking the musical question, Was it wrong? That October 13, 1935 Columbia recording was made in San Francisco, and Was It Wrong was written by Gus Arnheim, Gordon Clifford, and Murray Peck. We started off that incorrect set with Isham Jones and his orchestra, October 9, 1923, with Somebody's Wrong, written by the trio of Henry Marshall, Raymond Egan, and Richard Whiting. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. Just the other day, I learned that Alan Sherman, long before becoming best known for... Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Started his career as a television writer. He came up with the idea for the game show I've Got a Secret and was made the show's producer. Well, it's no secret that for this segment of the show, we're going to hear some rapidly rotating records about secrets, beginning with Adrian Schubert's Dance Orchestra. Thank you. 
morning at eight. My day begins when she passes the gate. She doesn't know it, but someday she will. She's my secret passion. I gaze for hours at the house where she lives. You can't imagine the thrill that it gives. I know I show it, but that's how I feel. She's my secret passion. Try to find among my friends one who knows her too. Or be introduced to her, my friend, if it's the last thing that I do. I catch the same train she catches at night. I sit beside her, just dumb with delight. She doesn't know it, but someday she will. She's my secret passion. was recorded by Lee Morris, the Rhythm Maniacs, Jacques Renard, Ambrose, and Marion Harris, probably my favorite version, but there you heard McKinney's Cotton Pickers with Donald King providing the vocal on She's My Secret Passion. He's My Secret Passion, or She's My Secret Passion, depending on the singer, was written by Arthur Young and Val Valentine, and that recording was made February 12, 1931. Before that, Ray Noble and his orchestra with I'll Follow My Secret Heart from Conversation Piece, written by Noel Coward. This HMV recording was made February 22, 1934 in London, months before the play made its Broadway debut at the 44th Street Theater on October 23rd. We started off that clandestine set with Adrian Schubert's Dance Orchestra, credited on the label of that November 15, 1929 Banner 78 as the Imperial Dance Orchestra, and it's not a secret anymore. You, of course, recognize the vocalist as Irving Kaufman, and It's Not a Secret Anymore was written by Charles Kisco and Al Hoffman. Oh, Bill, any relation? On last week's show, we had a segment about words in general, but this week we're going to consider a specific word, and that word is uliginous, U-L-I-G-I-N-O-U-S, an adjective used to describe something that is oozy, slimy, or slippery. It comes from the Latin uligo, meaning moisture. One doesn't usually think of it as such, but apparently love itself can be uliginous because Chick Bullock nearly let love go slipping through his fingers.
slipping through my fingers. Oh, yes, I did. I know I did. My happiness, too, was slipping through my fingers like golden sands right through my hands. But I woke in time and I saved my pride. Yet though love is mine, I tremble when I realize I nearly let love go slipping through my fingers. Oh, yes, I did. Foolish me. For without love, where in the world would I be?
first some raucous playing, Earl Fuller's famous jazz band and Slippery Hank, the band's first recording made on June 4, 1917. You heard Ted Lewis on clarinet, Walter Kahn cornet, Harry Reedham on trombone, Earl Fuller on piano, and drummer John Lucas. Slippery Hank was written by F.H. Losey, L-O-S-E-Y, who wrote quite a number of tunes from the 19 noughts through the late 20s, including Windy Willie, Sliding Jim, and Noisy Bill. Before that, Art Landry and his orchestra with Slippery Elm, written by multi-instrumentalist, composer, and bandleader Boyd Center. You heard tenor sax and piano solos and a clarinet solo, which might have been Art Landry himself. That Victor recording was made January 6, 1926, in Oakland, California. Art Landry was preceded by Red and Miff's Stompers, Red Nichols and Miff Mole, with Slippin' Around from October 12, 1927. Trombonist Miff Mole wrote Slippin' Around, which refers to playing around on the trombone, which is also known as a slip horn. We begin that eulogious set with Chick Bullock, backed by Gene Cardus and his orchestra featuring Bunny Berrigan on I Nearly Let Love Go Slipping Through My Fingers. That Melotone 78 was recorded June 10, 1936. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Last segment, we had some slippery songs based on the word eulogious, meaning slimy or slippery. But eulogious is primarily a word used in botany and also has another meaning, referring to something that is growing in wet or swampy ground. So for this segment of the show, we're going to visit some swamps. And no, not Washington, D.C.
the kitchen wheel and a funny little dance they Every kitchen is a cabaret and the close of the day. Everybody gathers round to watch those doggies. They've got a rhythm that the good Lord has given them. It's the rhythm you'll understand when they do that dance that's known as wiping the pain. Oh, God. 
for you is Yes, if it's wrong or right I gotta go where you are You know I'll roam through The dismal swampland I'll be searching for you We started off that swampy set with the Little Ramblers, a subset of the California Ramblers and Swamp Blues, recorded by Columbia in New York on July 8, 1929. Swamp Blues was written by Burke Bivens, who apparently had a thing about swamps, since he also wrote Swamp Ghosts. That was followed by Arthur Fields singing Willard Robeson's words to Wipe in the Pan, composed by Abel Bear and Nat Shilkret. That Harmony 78 was recorded January 29, 1929. So what does Wipe in the Pan have to do with swamps? Well, Arthur Fields was backed on that recording by the Honey Swamp Stompers. According to Brian Rust, Honey Swamp Stompers was a pseudonym on the Harmony label for Arthur Fields' foot warmers, but according to Alan Sutton, it was a pseudonym on Harmony for the Fred Hall Orchestra. We concluded with Chloe, composed by Neil Murray. You, of course, well, I hope, recognize the vocal group singing the Gus Kahn lyrics as the Revelers. But since this November 29, 1927 recording was on the Columbia label, the group was credited as the Singing Sophomores. Ed Smalley was at the piano, and the guitarist was John Kelly, who is heard on scores of records from the mid-20s to the mid-30s, and made a number of LPs in the 1950s and into the 1960s. What, what's that? What does Chloe have to do with swamps? Well, the song is subtitled, Song of the Swamp. In 1932, Victor Young and Sam M. Lewis wrote Lord, or Laud, You Made the Night Too Long. In 1940, Fred Whitehouse and Milton Berle wrote a parody titled Sam, You Made the Pants Too Long, with the Sam in the title probably referring to Samuel Beckenstein, who ran a popular fabric and clothing store at 130 Orchard Street in New York. Beckenstein Fabric and Interiors is still in business and is still owned by Sam Beckenstein's family. I bring all this up because the parody was recorded by Vaughn Monroe, Barbara Streisand, and Alan Sherman, whom we mentioned in the introduction to The Secret set earlier in the show. The original was recorded by Guy Lombardo, the Boswell Sisters, the Pickens Sisters, Red McKenzie, Bing Crosby, and Louis Armstrong, who is going to start off a too-long set. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
flowers grow You made the weak and the strong But Lord, you made the night too long You made the robin sing A song of spring And me you gave a lonely song Oh Lord, that's why the night is long oh, I got a heart and I got a cabin The door is open wide What good is a heart and what good is a cabin If nobody's inside the mountain high, the earth, the sky. So who am I to say you're wrong? But Lord, you made the night too long.
What a nice way to end the show. The Revelers once again, this time as the Revelers, on a January 26, 1926, Victor 78, with some good advice, don't wait too long. My wife and I were sadly reminded of that just last week. Louis James, Franklin Bauer, Elliot Shaw, and Wilfred Glenn were joined by baritone Ed Smalley, who also provided the piano accompaniment. Don't Wait Too Long was written by Irving Berlin for Ellen McKay, whom he married on January 4, 1926. Before the Revelers, it was Papa Charlie's Boys with Too Long, recorded in June of 1936. Papa Charlie was African-American blues guitarist and songwriter Charles McCoy, born in Jackson, Mississippi on May 26, 1909. With his brother, Kansas Joe, he organized not only Papa Charlie's Boys, but also the Harlem Hamfats, and Charlie McCoy wrote Too Long. We started off with Louis Armstrong and his orchestra with Lord, You Made the Night Too Long. March 11th, 1932. I'm Glenn Robison, and you've been listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. <laughs>